when I look for a good coach, qualities of a good coach, uh, really what I was looking for and what I look for from being a kid, going up through football, through all the other sports I played to uh, even now in CrossFit, doing it as, you know, professional CrossFit athlete as an adult. Uh, the thing that I'm looking for is like, do you care about developing character? That's what I'm asking. That's like, do, do you want to make me a better human being? Because that's, that is the sole reason why we should be doing anything that we do. Are we becoming better human beings? Are we becoming better individuals, growing and developing our characters so that we can serve the world around us and be just be a force that helps change the world and makes a difference. And that's what I wanted to know. It's like, I want those people in my life. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. In this episode, I sit down with Cole Sager, six-time CrossFit Games athlete, former Washington University football player, and 2017 Spirit of the CrossFit Games award winner. After Cole found CrossFit during his senior year of college, he put his NFL dreams on hold, and it wasn't long before he found himself at the CrossFit Games and becoming one of the most consistent athletes in the men's field. He now trains full-time in his home garage gym with the support of his wife, Genesee, and his coach, Ben Bergeron. I was excited to catch up with Cole to learn more about what drives the intensity behind his training, the qualities he values in himself and others, and why he believes developing character leads to athletic excellence. Of note, this conversation occurred several months ago before the resignation of Greg Glassman and plans for Eric Rosa to become the new owner and CEO of the company, so we did not address anything related to those recent events here. Before we dive into the episode, we do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. We recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. Now, let's get started with the episode. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I am really excited to be here with Cole Sager, so thank you for sitting down and joining me. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Julie. I appreciate you having me. Yeah. And, you know, we are now just the 2020 CrossFit Games are approaching. Obviously, the games this year are looking very different than they have in years past. <laughs> You're preparing. Um, they've been surrounded by tons of uncertainty. Just, you know, this this format of the season is still pretty new. And then we had a lot of changes with the COVID pandemic. Um, and now we're looking at doing the games at Aromas, which is not what anyone anticipated. So I just want to check in. How are you doing? What is life looking like for you right now? How are you kind of wrapping your head around approaching this year's games? Yeah, I'm actually really excited about this year's games. <laughs> um, you know, I when I when I got into CrossFit, I got into it with this, um, you know, like this. I, well, I got into it like for a very specific purpose. You know, I I wanted to be. Um, like I didn't just stumble upon CrossFit. Somebody intentionally pointed it out, and then I made the decision, I'm going to go to the CrossFit Games. Then I did my first CrossFit workout. Like It was kind of backwards compared to what a lot of people have experienced. Um, like, oh, I'll try this. Oh, I'm pretty good at it. Maybe I'll compete. Maybe I'll go to the Games. Yeah, game. exactly. But, you know, I was a, I was a college athlete. Uh, so, and, you know, and I wasn't searching for another outlet after athletics, uh, you know, after football. Um, 
It was more so like, how can I continue to use the gifts and the talents that I have to be a positive impact in the world, to, to find a place where I can just be a force for good and for hope for people, you know, and a you know, source of inspiration. And so that's, that's, that's really what was like kind of the driving force behind getting into CrossFit. But that didn't stop me from watching every single CrossFit YouTube video known to mankind and just being a complete fanboy. You know, like I was so hardcore into just like every video, every person. I, like I knew stats and information about workouts from past years and aromas and whatnot. So going back to aromas is kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool. And, you know, I've been there in 2016. So like it's like... I, I've been there before, but it still has this little bit of nostalgic feeling for me. So um, I'm really, really excited for it. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to watch. I think it's going to be really cool. And to have such an intimate venue, I think, and mm -hmm. you're going to have such a tight-knit group of competitors, um, yeah. I think it's going to be a really cool experience. Even back in my first uh, my first CrossFit Games was 2014, um, and I mean you you can remember what what that was like. Even back then, it was still a pretty intimate setting as far as the the athletes there, the amount of people that were there. Uh, we hadn't really, as a group, uh, brought in a lot. You know the the age group, uh, yeah. the, all of the age groups. It hadn't grown to the volume that it had. Uh, the games just wasn't as big. It was a little bit more um, intimate and. So it, given the where CrossFit has grown to and where where it gotten to in 2019, there were so many people there, um, you know, and that I, which I loved. I absolutely loved having all the different people from different countries. And yeah. um, for those for people who don't know, like uh, there's often a, a dinner before the CrossFit Games where all the athletes get to come together, and we hear some of the leaders of, uh, of CrossFit speak a little bit, and we just get to know each other and. Sitting down at the the dinner before the CrossFit Games last year was really cool, and they had paired you uh, either with um, somebody from a different country. So everyone around around the table was from a completely different area. Some people didn't know the same language, so, you know. It was, you had to overcome those barriers of talking with people and had to try to get to know them, and that was just such a fun experience for me. So. I absolutely loved that. That was great. But it was also very big. And it was just there was a lot going on. And so bringing it back down to that intimate setting of like, let's just go compete and have a bloodbath for a weekend. I think it's going to be pretty fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you you mentioned, you know, you grew up playing sports, you played football in college. Um, and you grew up in, in Washington, where you also are living now. Can you just talk a little bit about what your upbringing was like? And Kind of how you how sports became such an important part of your life. Yeah, yeah, I grew up in like a very uh, movie esque small town. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I love my small town. Uh, it was a little farm town up in Skagit Valley on the west side of Washington, uh, Burlington. Uh, Burlington was where I grew up, and uh, you know, it was it was one of those places where like you really. Everybody knew each other, knew something about each other. You walk down the street and people are smiling at each other, checking in on, hey, how you doing? Um, I saw this happen in your life. Like, it was such a cool community to grow up in. Um, you know, obviously, like, your parents are the ones who are raising you, but it felt like a community was actually the one raising you, you know? And uh, it kind of instilled that, that principle. I mean, like, it takes a community to raise the child. Like, uh, everybody's hands are in it. And so, like, that's the kind of community that I grew up in. Um, but at the same time, it, it was a it was a small town, so there's a lot of value put in sports and athletics. Wow. You know, it was, it was one of those scenarios where like the town kind of shut down on Friday nights when you went to go 
uh, you know, play football game kind of thing. So um, growing up in that, it was just there of uh, just importance and and just a love for the game and for sports and what it can teach you and where it could potentially take you. Um, but on the flip side of it, there's also a bit of the feelings of everyone had the dream of getting out of the small town via sports. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, all of the old timers, they all had the dream of playing division one football and wow. not necessarily getting out of the town to get out of the town, but like go do something big with their life through sports. And, you know, and, 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 a lot, and that doesn't happen for a lot of people. And I recognize that. Um, but I had those dreams too, you know? And uh, so with that also came, levels of doubt um people who may be like oh yeah like it's great that you're dreaming but it's probably not going to happen dude you know and um so there's a little bit of balancing that of like you know such a loving community but at the same time like having to overcome the voices saying like "Ah, it's probably not going to happen um and that has been you know that was such i'm really really thankful that i went through that because it doesn't stop when you get out of a small town you know like that, that continues to happen in my life today in, in ways you know so um that was definitely um, helped you overcome those voices or like that helped you stay focused on that dream and not yeah. not have those doubts creep in too much yeah so um you know i think a lot of it um for, first and foremost like a lot of it goes back down to just the my core beliefs to my faith as a man um and just knowing that I, I believe that our lives were not necessarily meant for us. I think that we were given our lives to, to live and to serve and to help other people. Uh, and uh, we use the gifts and the talents we can to do good in the world, you know? So, um, but with that, I saw a lot of my friends um, just kind of growing up throughout life have similar dreams and aspirations that I had, but for some reason along the way, I also watched that dream die in their eyes and I watched, you know, I watched them give up on themselves and that kind of just became a reoccurring thing year after year. As I grew older and older, I saw more and more friends and getting to my senior year when like, you, you come into high school with a freshman and everybody has the, the, you know, the, yeah. the dreams and the goals of playing varsity and going to play college. And as you go through high school or just throughout your life, those people slowly fall off. And all of a sudden you've seen the whole group of friends that you used to run with kind of give up on that dream. And you're standing alone as the only one still kind of holding tight to that. Um, and that was a really convicting thing for me of wanting to stay the course, wanting to stay the course so that maybe somewhere down the road I can help or encourage or inspire someone to just keep going, mm-hmm. to just keep pushing through. Um, and just kind of be a source of hope for someone down the road, you know, and um, I've used the analogy and I've, I, you know, I, I've shared this story before, um, but not many times. Uh, oftentimes when things get difficult in the garage uh, or I train, I train, I train in my garage full time uh, for those who don't know. <laughs> but uh, you know, when, when things are tough in the garage and just kind of like, seems like the same four walls are getting a little too familiar. Um, you know, I oftentimes picture like this, the set of eyes of someone, you know, and I don't necessarily know who the person is, um, if I've ever met them or if I ever will meet them, but I just know that, you know, it's reflective of all of the eyes that I've seen kind of dim down and give up and watch the dream leave. And it's a really 
moving thing for me. And it's a really big source of purpose and direction um, to kind of keep me going through a lot of, you know, doubts or struggles or hardships. I love that. So what was it like for you then? You know, you obviously went on to play division one football. What was it like finally kind of achieving that milestone that you'd been working hard for? Um, and then your experience playing football in college. That just opened up a whole nother door of hardship. <laughs> you know, like uh, appreciation and excitement, and then it's back. <laughs> yeah, which you know, which is is such a good lesson to learn again because it's just it's how it is. You 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 reach one goal and you start moving. You keep moving forward. You know, it's like it doesn't get easier. You just learn how to handle them. Like it's. You know, and you you learn how how to just keep moving forward in a good positive way. You know, and um, getting getting to college ball was a struggle in itself. I you know I, I was talking with a lot of the uh, coaches at UW and there's several coaches throughout different colleges. Um, and at UW, the coaching staff had been fired uh, the year before I started playing. And so my contact there had just completely diminished. I had no contact there anymore. And the recruiting process that UW essentially started, and UW was, uh, it's a school in Seattle. And, uh, you know, for, I mean, they feel like most people know that, you know, at least in the States. But um, it was, I mean, an hour and a half from my house. So I grew up a dog. I grew up a Husky. Um, and so, like, it, it was it was the place that I, I had to go, right? Like, I just, I needed to go there. Um, and so as soon as I had the opportunity to play there, every other school option fell off the table. I was like, yep, I'm going. Um, but it didn't come without a little bit of struggle to get there. And, um, I actually had to, uh, actually sign myself out of class one day and I drove down to UW and I sat in the football coach's office for four hours sitting and waiting until someone would come and take my tape and just hear me out. It's like, because because all of the recruits had kind of been dropped at that point, they were bringing in a completely new coaching staff, and so it's like you got to start over. Yeah, it was it was really like starting over. Um, and so uh, you know, there's this sense of you know when I got down there and I told the coach like, look, I am the guy that will run a hundred miles an hour through a brick wall if you ask me to go get ice cream for you. Like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna fly out and I'm gonna do it as fast as I possibly can. Like. I said all these things. And then so when I finally got to UW, I was like, man, you got to hold up to your word. <laughs> you know, you got to be the guy flying around all the time. Uh, and so, um, you know, there's a lesson in accountability there. But, For sure. um, you know, that was. No, never had to get him ice cream. But, um, you know, I was definitely his his player, my, my you know, my, my position coach's player that, he relied on, you know, relied on to, um, you know, to reach out to the group and text messages, um, to, to set a good example with my grades, like whatever it is. Like he was like, he kind of held me accountable. He's like, look, you said you were going to do this. So I'm holding you to that. And I was like, cool. Like, good, good. That's, that's totally fine. And, uh, you know, I, I was given the option to walk on early. So I was, I was a, I was a walk on at UW. Um, I was a preferred walk on. So I got to come in, uh, before the season started for training camp um, as if I had been recruited. And then uh, I had given the option that if I can make any, any team, whether it be awesome offense, defense, or special teams, I could earn a scholarship. Um, and so 
every single practice it wasn't just a practice like every practice was a tryout yeah. you know I was like I am out there to prove something and I was that guy flying around on the field 100 miles an hour banging heads with people to the point where like the starters and the seniors and the upperclassmen were just like you got to settle down you're annoying the heck out of us <laughs> like it's like take it easy kid like <laughs> you know but uh, I wasn't about to stop <laughs> so you had that goal. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. And you did end up getting the scholarship, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Ended up getting the scholarship, started special teams all four years. Um, you know, had a really fun career. And there's, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of challenges through um, playing college football, um, you know, the, from the business side of it and the politics to um, just learning to deal with leadership that maybe you don't necessarily agree with. Um and, you know, there's, yeah, there's just a lot of things that you can learn from it. But uh, at the same time, I would never trade those experiences. Like they were just, they were so fun. And, you know, I, I had a lot of friends uh, playing who, who ended up leaving the team or something or just like it just wasn't for them. Uh, and when every time that that happened, it was like, oh, man, like, can I actually endure this? Do I want to endure this? Like. Um, and I am just so, I'm just so glad I did that. I kept showing up every single day and instilled just kind of that, that promise to myself that no matter what, just show up, just show up and make the best of it. You know, that's awesome. Um, um I saw also on your website that after college, you worked as a loan originator. Can you talk about <laughs> yeah. that? How did that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I was a I was a communications major at UW, uh, and I got a concentration in marketing and sales as okay. well. So through that, I got an internship um, with uh, uh, it was a family friend who uh, was a loan originator, and he kind of has he has a team, and so they took me on as an intern. Uh, and with the intent of hiring me, which was really cool, you know, and, uh, so right out of college, I had a job offer, uh, and I took it and these were a, a phenomenal group of guys. Um, they're at cornerstone home lending in Seattle, Washington. There's a little plug for you, you know? Um, so, but, um, yeah, Jay Kroll and his team were just amazing guys, uh, ex athletes. And it was just like the, the, everyone in the office just clicked, you know, we just, uh, yeah, it meshed really well, but that was such an interesting couple of years because I had also started competing in CrossFit. So like I was, I was, I was, I would train in the morning. I would get changed. I would go to work. I'd come, I'd get off work, come back to the gym, train, uh, just rinse and repeat for a couple of years. Yeah. So that was, so when did you actually find, did you find CrossFit before or after you finished your football career? It was like the last, I think last two months of my senior year. Okay. Yeah. I had a buddy like, uh, he had just gotten out of the army, um, or actually, excuse me, he just got stationed in Washington. And okay. so he came up, uh, to visit me in Seattle and he sat me down in Chipotle, gave me this whole spiel about how I'm going to start doing CrossFit. I'm going to give up the football dream. He's like, you, you, you got to check this thing out, man. Um, and like he, you would think that he was like a diehard CrossFit ambassador getting paid to do his job. Like he was so enthusiastic about it. 
Like I find, I find that years later, he hadn't even started doing CrossFit himself yet. No way. <laughs> like, yeah. But he was just so convicted that it was a community of good-hearted people, people who want to grow and to change, that he was like, man, I know your heart to want to be an inspiration, to be hope for people. Um, like, you got to check this out because you could be really, really good at this. Um, and that's kind of what I was saying is I, you know, from there he actually, so he, he sent me some videos after that conversation and it was of, uh, Rich Froning and Dan Bailey. And they were talking about, uh, they were talking about their faith, talking about being a positive, uh, uh, you know, source of, of inspiration for people in the community and just how much they love the community. And they weren't even working out. Like they weren't doing anything. And after watching that video, I was like, if there's a community that have leaders like that in it, I want to be part of that kind of community. That is, that is amazing. And, you know, it came on the tail end of playing college ball. I had gotten a little fed up with um, some of the ways that things were handled, some of the ways that, um, you know, maybe athletes were treated or just, just the, you know, the, the stigma of a lot of things surrounding football, um, is just like it kind of feels dead sometimes like obviously there's a lot of hope and there's a lot of um aspiration in it at the same time but you know it's a community of a lot of uh, typically you think of older men sitting on the couch watching football you know but when you think of the CrossFit community you think of people who are going to the gym to challenge themselves to push themselves to be better than they were the day before and that is just such a cool part of the community that's what i fell in love with um and so yeah so yeah. So I heard you talk before, like even as a kid, you had big NFL aspirations. So at what point mm-hmm. did you start of kind of let go of that and then shift your focus to CrossFit? Uh, it was it was really that conversation with my friend that really shifted things. Okay. I had gotten I'd gotten a little just disheartened with football as a whole uh, my senior year. But, and that, that's a, like kind of an, a story in itself, but my senior year, I gained 35 pounds, moved to fullback uh, to try to get more playing time to, to make it onto an offensive team. Uh, you know, the whole idea of getting to the NFL is like, you got to have some sort of stats somewhere, right? Like, you know, um, I mean, that just essentially makes the, uh, makes the process easier, uh, obviously, but so that through that whole process, um, it was just really disheartening. Gaining that much weight in a couple month period and then holding on to it was just was way harder than I expected. Um, but being 235 pounds just did not feel good. And the I have you know I've been so much a believer in health and fitness and having. Uh, just a healthy lifestyle uh and the first few years of my college like I actually got to a point where I was um a little obsessive about it um to the point where I had I wouldn't call it an eating disorder but I had definitely I had some eating struggles um where I was a little too strict um carbs were the enemy and I just kind of had an unhealthy relationship with food um, and to the point where it developed some, even some psychological ways that I handled relationships weird, where I started to judge people by how they lived their life on a daily basis. You don't exercise enough. You don't eat healthy enough, you know, and I just got this really warped vision of health. Um, and then so to 
have that completely shift my senior year and have to gain 35 pounds because my coach dangled a carrot out in front of me and said, if you gain this weight, you'll probably be able to play more. I need you to do it. Are you going to do it? I thought you were my guy. I thought you were the one who was going to go get ice cream. You know, like it was that kind of scenario. And he dangled it out in front of me. I was like, fine. Yeah, I'll do it. And so there comes five months of eating pizza and ice cream and everything that you can imagine and think of just to gain any sort of weight. Um, and so through that process, I'd gotten a little fed up, um, just a little tired of the, uh, I don't know, the, yeah, the like, way that football is handled, right? Yeah, like prioritizing sort of the, the politics of, of the team and the performance and jumping through those hoops of, over your health, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like, and, you know, it, was, it would be a very um, refreshing point of view. It was very refreshing. Um, so... You know, with that, I had, you know, I had come to this crossroad of like, okay, well, my fo- my college career is coming to an end. I'm not as successful as I ideally would like to be in my college career to be able to get recruited and have scouts see me or anything like that. So if I want to go to the NFL, and that was still, that was still my vision. And the reason why was because I wanted to build a platform. I wanted to, uh, you know, build something to be able to be an inspiration to people to, to reach out, to love people who maybe otherwise aren't loved and cared for. And the way I saw that was through sports, through, you know, the platform of sports. So that was still my vision right out of college until I talked with my friend. Uh, and I just kind of was gearing up for a few years of really hard trying to get recruited uh, you know, the process is, you know, you try to make a practice squad, you try to be seen. It was really hard, but it was something that I was definitely willing to do. And so after having that conversation, that's when things kind of shifted, you know, and you, you can, yeah, you kind of said it already. It was a refreshing outlook on life. I was like, gosh, that sounds, that sounds incredible, <laughs> you know? And I was, I was already the guy in college that, you know, I pulled double days of workouts, sometimes triple day workouts. The strength coaches had to tell me to get out of the weight room. Like I was that guy. And it was just cause I loved, I loved being fit. I loved uh, being healthy. So that was kind of, it was kind of a good fit. Good fit. Definitely a good fit. So yeah. Wow. That friend really did probably change the, the tra- trajectory of your life, at least for these past few years. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, Okay, so this, so then you hear about CrossFit, you decide I'm going all in. Now, what was it like when you started? And did you have, I imagine, you know, when you start, there's obviously things you're already going to be really good at from your background in football. And then there's going to be a lot of things that are brand new, that are harder. How did you approach some of those things? I can imagine, like, I know myself trying new things for the first time. You're, you're kind of thinking, how am I ever going to be able to do this? Am I really going to be able to make it? CrossFit Games. How did you work through that kind of stuff? Uh, unfortunately, the things that you would think a football player would not be good at came a little bit in control, and oh. the things that I that I I have to be good at came really difficult. And that is running. Running has been <laughs> the most painful process. <laughs> and uh, so when I a couple of years ago, I was actually talking with Genesee and uh, we had come to the conclusion, like just thinking back through my college years, 
I had not run over 800 meters at one instance for four years, wow. for all of college. And I did a lot of, uh, I did a lot of exercising, like, especially my first three years, like I told you, like I was in the weight room all the time and, but it was always in hit interval style workouts or, you know, just, just typical weightlifting or P90X or whatever it is that I was doing, but it was never like, I'm going to go run a mile or a few miles. And the thinking was, if you do that, you're going to develop slow twitch muscle fibers. You're not going to be as fast. All right, things working against me. Um, you know, I, I went to the fastest guy on the field anyways. So I really believe that like, okay, like I'm not the fastest guy already. So I'm not going to take the chance of, you know, slowing down more than I already am. Uh, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't run long distance at all. And so getting to CrossFit and running the mile for the first time, I was dying. I was like, oh, oh this is terrible. Well, you know, it kind of gave me a soft spot in my heart for people who struggle to get back into exercising because it is really, really hard. And I understand. And I, you know, I always encourage people to stay the course because it has, it feels so good on the other side of it, but it, it was painful. It was a painful process. So on your Instagram, you ran a marathon at some point. Was it last year or not too long ago? That's yeah. Going for yeah, this last last summer, Genesee and I just kind of uh, she asked me what we want. What what, hey, what do you want to do for your birthday? I was like, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> let's run a marathon. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Why not? And that was just on your own, right? You didn't sign up for anything. You guys just ran it around. Yeah. Yeah. We ran it in Spokane. I uh, just woke up uh, on my birthday and, you know, we had planned for the a couple days before, but it was kind of like we woke up and like, are we really going to do this? <laughs> are we? Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go. You know, and we were out the door by seven o'clock and, you know, started early. We, we gave ourselves all of the, um, all of the right strategies and set ourselves up for success. Like we really did. It was both of our first marathon efforts. So, uh, it, but it was just one of those things of like, you know, like I have developed this endurance that I now I, I love and enjoy. And it is so peaceful to go for a long run. Uh, I never thought I would say that in my life. <laughs> and, you know, I love having that health and mobility and, ability to just go out and do and do things you know an adventure so i was like hey let's go let's go tackle that because because yeah. we can and and let's prove it to ourselves that we can so that was really cool yeah, that's awesome and cool you guys did it together too yeah yeah um okay so you get into crossfit and then can you just talk about kind of the experience of getting to your first crossfit games and then eventually how you ended up coming to work with ben as your coach yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so just piggybacking off of some of the, you know, the ease of getting into the cross space in the first place, um, you know, things like ring muscle up, handstand walking, um, things that, like I said, typically you wouldn't think a football player would be good at. Uh, those kind of came pretty naturally. And I think a lot of that came from, uh, from dabbling in a lot of sports when I was a kid. I played and tried everything, you know, every extreme sport you can think of, tried gymnastics for a little bit, took a couple ballet classes. Like I did, I did everything you can think of. Um, all of it 100% to try to develop me as a better football athlete, but 
I looked at being a football player as a holistic approach. Like I can't just know how to tackle, know how to hit, know how to run. Like I got to be well balanced across all planes of movement. And uh, so I was just willing to try and play and dabble and everything. And, I, and I, I'm just like, kind of like, I love trying new things. Right. So, uh, so kind of going into CrossFit, I was like, oh, like some of these movements are coming pretty easy. This is great. Uh, I started CrossFit January 2013, made it to the, uh, so the, what the open was just a month and a half later, made it through the open and got into regionals, qualified for my first regionals just what, four months or a couple months after. Did you start, how did you start? Did you start in an affiliate or did you start in your garage or what was your plan? Um, the, between the IMA and I had, I had, a, <laughs> I had bought a barbell and some plates that uh, I kept in the back of my car and Genesee and I would go to parks and we would do workouts at parks. Uh, I would do pull-ups, muscle-ups, toes to bar on swing sets, on field go posts. Um, yeah, so between that and the the IMA, that was kind of the first few months of me getting into CrossFit, you know. And I would drive up to Burlington. Uh, there was actually, uh, do you do you know Ashley Mo? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was a games competitor back in 2013, um, and I think 12 and 13. But anyway, she was she lived up in my hometown and so i would drive up to burlington uh after i had found out that well actually i just drew up there to go to the crossfit gym uh that was in there in town with my buddy who had got me into crossfit and that's when i met ashley and yeah so it's just a lot of just providential circumstances kind of coming together it's just a lot of a lot of grace that kind of just got thrown in my life and um it was really cool because I got I went to the, I'd go to the CrossFit gym and I'd just try to learn everything that I could while I was there. And then, you know, I would only be there for you know, Saturday out of the week kind of thing. And then I'd go back down to school and all week I would practice these things in the park or whatever. And um, anyways, when I was at that, that CrossFit gym back home, they, it was, I remember this, this, uh, this time when they were doing, they were doing ring muscle ups. And I was like, huh, like that sound that looks like, I think I could do that. You know, like I hadn't really tried, I hadn't really tried one yet. Um, and I got my first ring muscle up just on my first try. No way. And then I was just, yeah, I was just kind of sitting up there at the top and they're like, Oh, can you string them together? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Lean back, push the rings out in front of you. Just kind of let it swing and see if you can do another one. And I ended up stringing five together. Oh my! And yeah, yeah. And again, <laughs> yeah. It's just—it's not. Wasn't quite fair. Um, but uh, just in that and being and working around them, they're like, "Wow, this kid actually has some talent." And so, Ashley and her husband uh, kind of took me under them a little bit. And so every weekend or every other weekend, I would come up and kind of learn the ropes from them, you know, and uh, I would go up and do the open workouts up there and they would just give me some strategy and some tips, probably approach it this way, maybe try this, you know, and uh, then after I qualified for regionals as well, they kind of also like, oh, like, let us guide you through that and kind of help you. And uh, they just really became friends and uh, mentors, if you will, in, in the space for, you know, a couple months through the, for that first year of, of competing. So 
that was that was really that was really cool. Yeah. Cool. And then, at what point did you then meet Ben and end up being one of his athletes? So that wasn't until after my 2014 uh, 2014 games. Okay. So um, fast forward a year later, I had to qualify for the CrossFit Games and. That also has its own backstory, and I finally uh, start working out and start training an affiliate. Uh, late 2013, uh, I met Rory Zambard, uh, who competed at the 2013 Games. Uh, she's a level one staff member um, back then and uh, whatnot. So, um, but yeah, so I, she she was in Seattle. And so when we got connected, we started training together, and we were training partners for probably eight months um, leading up to the 2014 Open and Regionals. Uh, we both qualified for the 2014 Games. Um, she had an injury uh, that year, and so she didn't end up competing at the Games. But uh, I had been following Ben's program with her for a few months leading up to the Games and the Regionals. Um, so we had been following uh, – competitorstraining.com is what it was back then before comptrain.co. Um, and after the 2014 games, I also got connected with Matt O'Keefe. Okay. And Matt O'Keefe was the connection that had that brought Ben and I together. So once uh, Matt O'Keefe became my agent and uh, we had been, been with each other for a while, I was like, hey, you got to come out to Boston and come train with Ben. I think you would really like his mindset, his coaching style, and um, I had been approached by a couple other, uh, individuals who would like, Hey, like you're an up and coming athlete. Um, you know, we would love to maybe possibly work with you and just going through the process of looking at different coaches and different strategies. I always just kind of navigated back to Ben's stuff. And so he was really the one that was like, if, if I'm coached by somebody, I would really like it to be him. Like that would be really cool. And Sure enough, we get out to uh, a regional prep camp in 2015, okay. and uh, through that, I got to know him for you know a good for solid four days, uh, and we really just hit it off and really connected really well. And at the time, he was coaching Michelle Latandra, Katrin, and Matt, and he really only took on three athletes at a time back then. Um, still kind of has that, that typical principle and it's just what he feels like he has enough energy and space in his life to do, to really do well. And that's something I really, really commend about him. Um, but after the 2015 games, it was like, okay, we mesh really well. I've really enjoyed just kind of helping you out. What, what do you say we make this a real thing? Um, and then so in October 2015 is when we started working together full-time. Um, he really became my coach, full-time programming, full-time everything, um, coach-related. Also coincided with the same time I left my loan origination job. Ah, okay. um, so. Yeah, so in, so in 2015, October 2015 was like, I'm stepping into professional CrossFit, or uh, like it or not. <laughs> that's a big step. I mean, I think that's a big step for a lot of people to kind of to let go of their day job and really go all in on it yeah. but yeah um, yeah that took a lot it took a lot of faith a lot of believing that things would work out well i think they have <laughs> I think yeah yeah they've been great. Uh, great so what is it about like that kind of drew you to ben as a coach he said as you were kind of thinking critically about that what are some of the yeah. qualities because i know you know that in, in crossfit there's a lot of different 
aspects of coaching too. There's programming. Some people just, you know, look to someone for programming. Some people look for more coaching. And what is it that you think makes someone a good coach or that has made been a good fit for you? Yeah. Um, when I look for a good coach, qualities of a good coach, uh, really what I was looking for and what I look for from being a kid going up through football and through all the other sports I played to uh, even now in CrossFit doing it as, you know, professional CrossFit athlete as an adult. Uh, the thing that I'm looking for is like, do you care about developing character? That's what I'm asking. That's like, do, do you want to make me a better human being? Because that's, that is the sole reason why we should be doing anything that we do. Are we becoming better human beings? Are we becoming better individuals growing and developing our characters so that we can serve the world around us and be just be a force that helps change the world and makes a difference. And that's what I wanted to know. It's like, I want those people in my life. And if you're not I've had enough of the, I've had enough of the guys who aren't, I've, who just are looking out for themselves, who only care about what they can get. And they don't care about the athlete. I've had enough of that. I'm done. And so if that's not what you want, if you don't want to develop my character, then you could have the best program in the world, but you're not going to get the most out of me. And so that was something that I really felt hit home with Ben, is he cared more about the person and developing the character of a person than did about the athlete himself. Knowing that if he developed the character or if he just at least helped guide the character of the hum of the person, of the athlete, it was going to develop a better performing athlete in the long run. Absolutely. That was so well said. <laughs> what are some of the ways then, as you think about, you know, your, your CrossFit games career thus far, that the biggest ways that you think you've developed as a person or whether it's character or different perspectives or different, you know, changes in approach that you have to training or to life? Um, you know, one of the things that I think really stands out is, uh, committing myself to the hardship, just the hard work that I have to do and being willing to show up every day. And I talked, I talked about that a little bit, um, you know, with football, like it was definitely something I was learning and being exposed to through, through football, um, through college football, just showing up every day. But when you become a professional athlete and it's essentially your choice to show up every day and, your teams aren't relying on you and your uh, coach isn't threatening you with hard lessons, which is what, what, what was it, what was called uh, if you didn't show up to practice on time or something, you had, had hard, you have to do hard lessons. <laughs> um, so, which is essentially just tortured, tortured conditioning, you know, it was, it was terrible. Anyways, <laughs> um, you know, if, if you don't have those kind of things, uh, that is holding you accountable and you essentially are the one that has to show up every single day and make the choice. Uh, that has been something that I've had to learn and grow. Um, and that has, that has been a fun, fun process. It's been yeah. a really fun journey. So what are some of the things that have helped you with that? Um, you know, the days where you don't feel like working out or you're tired or you, you know, especially after, after a season, after you, you know, you finished the games and now you're looking at starting a whole new season. What are some of the ways that you've been able to overcome that? Um, I think over the, over the years, also one of them that's been really important that developed in me is a deeper sense of why, uh, why I do what I do. Um, and 
I think that is extremely important. And I think that is something that we should all be developing more and deeper uh, and in better ways every single day, you know, and it's really easy to, when you're young and when you first start off to have that big grand vision and purpose and reason why, but it also can slowly fade if you're not trying to hone that in and develop that even more and clarify it. Really just bring clarity to it. That's the biggest thing is trying to understand more clearly why you're doing what you're doing. Because in the beginning when I was 20 something years old and in 2014, there was the excitement of it all. And I had this grand vision and it's going to be so awesome. And like there was, there was a lot to pull you into it. And then all of that other excitement and whatnot starts to fade away and your days become mundane and your years start to blend together. And now you really have to have a deeper understanding as to why you are getting up and showing up every single day in the garage or you know, your training environment or whatever it is that you're doing. And uh, that has been, that has been a process that I have really, really enjoyed because until in 2017, that was, it's kind of like this asterisk year for me. It's, it's a really, it's a really interesting year. Uh, 2017 was filled with, it was, well, one, it was my worst performance at the CrossFit Games um, to date. Uh, so that that kind of stands out for that reason. Um, it also was I received the best honor that I have received for, throughout my crossfit career. I probably honestly throughout my uh, my athletic career, and that was winning Spirit of the Games that year. Um, but it was so interesting that it was coupled with a year of just absolute complacency. I don't know how I got to the crossfit games, and I don't know how like how it all unfolded, um, you know, other than just a whole lot of grace in my life, because I was, uh, that year just always looking for reasons to not push myself harder. I was looking for all of these secret answers. Like what, what are the secrets? What are, what are people doing that I'm not doing that I could try? And if I try it, it's going to be just that secret. It's going to make, make me stand out. Right. And, uh, you know, and I tell people that year, like the way I sum it up is I was so focused on trying to dial in all of these 1% that I stopped focusing on the 10%. And the 10% are just really, really, really hard work. And just coming every single day and pushing myself to whatever limit I had for that day. And it doesn't have to be the same as the day before. It can, your limit each day is just different and that's okay, but take yourself there push yourself, find that limit. And that's going to develop something really, really good. Uh, rather than looking for that can, you know, can I eat the right thing today? And if I eat this thing for me, what, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, recovery. what it is, it's a commitment of, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's the new recovery tool? What's the new secret? <laughs> and it, And instead it's just, it's showing up every day and committing yourself to, giving your absolute best, trying your absolute hardest and just knowing that that work is going to pay off. And that's, you know, and yeah, I don't know that, that was a very, very great year of growth for me. And I think a turning point in my career. So how did you end up having those reflections? I think that's hard for people to do it to look back on a year and to say, wow, 
maybe I was complacent or to kind of own up to some of that. Was it, were there people in your life that helped you to see that or how did you end up being able to identify that and, and change things moving forward? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's um, a combination of the fact that I am a pretty reflective guy. Um, I like to reflect a journal a lot. Um, you know, I pray a lot, journal, talk to friends, you know, all that stuff, just trying to get answers, trying to learn. Um, I love, love learning, you know, so, um, so I think there's a, you know, it's a combination of that, but then also, um, at a, at a young age, I think I learned or just something was instilled to me that, uh, you have to find things to hold you accountable to what you want, to the goals that you set. And, uh, what I have found is that, you know, and I think this is just a deep, deep rooted belief that I think that people are the most important thing in the world. Like, I don't think that there's anything more important than the people in our lives. And, um, it's kind of my passion to just love people, to, to be kind and caring. And every, every person is just as important as the next, you know? And, and so like just kind of having that and understanding how important people are, it's like, well, if you want to be the person who cares and sees people as valuable, then, then why wouldn't you lean on them? The ones that are willing to be there for you and utilize their importance. Why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you lean on them? Like they want to be there for you. And then, so I, I started to realize that, uh, you know, there are a lot of people in your life who are willing to and happy to hold you accountable because they care for you. And they really deeply care about your dreams and goals just as much as you do. And so I had tough conversations. It's, it's kind of hard to have those conversations with people. You, you, you start to have the conversation like, hey, I would love for you to hold me accountable. But you start to kind of bite your tongue at the same time. Like, uh, you know, maybe you don't hold me too accountable. But, you know. <laughs> But it was it was having those conversations with people early on of like, hey, being honest with people. And, you know, I, I don't I don't think it's good necessarily to be open mouthed with a lot of people. I think it's very important to seek wise counsel. Uh, and I feel like I have I have a small group of people in my life who are, that I look to for wise counsel. Um, you know, and, and I think that was a little bit developed. And, if you know, when I was younger, I shared all of my dreams and aspirations. And by doing so, I had a lot of voices tell me it's not going to happen. And I started realizing, okay, not everybody is going to believe in your dreams the way that you do. So you have to be, you have to be smart. You have to be wise about who you talk to or else you're going to hear a lot of doubt. You're going to hear the wrong voices. So search out the right voices. And so in finding those right voices, um, it was having a small group of wise counsel that could hold me accountable and say, Hey, look, um, this year was not what you anticipated. And we just want to speak some life into you and let you know that we think it's because of this. We think it might be this and maybe you should search your heart here. And, uh, you know, so I think that overcoming 2017 was very much a group effort. It wasn't just me searching my own heart and reflecting, but having the right people in my life to be willing to, have the hard conversation of like, look, uh, I think there's some changes that you need to make. Yeah. And I talk, I want to talk a little bit about your relationship with Genesee too, because I know she's one of those people. No. And yeah. um, you yeah. talk about, I've heard you talk about your team being basically Genesee, you and Ben and, and really giving credit to 
it's not just you who's out there on the field, but it's the whole team that puts in the effort to make that possible. Absolutely. Um, so, and I think, and I think the way that, it, from what it seems like from an outsider's perspective, that like Genesee is truly, really invested in, you know, your athletic career, um, which I think is amazing. And I think that, you know, there's there's a difference too between having a supportive spouse who's like, yeah, I want you to support you and reach your dreams, versus someone who is like day in and day out invested like she is. So, um, first of all, how did you guys meet? <laughs> and then, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead. And, 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 yeah, oh, no, no, it's. Uh, I just laugh because we, we <laughs> whenever that com- that question is asked between if both Genesee and I are in the room, that question is asked. I will look at her, and I will <laughs> I will like open for you can tell the story because she can tell it in thirty seconds to two minutes. <laughs> And, and it takes me, there was actually, we had this person ask us the question and we just had one of those moments where we were all working together and it was just kind of like a tedious thing that we were doing for a few hours together. They asked the question, so how did you guys meet? And two hours later, I'm done with <laughs> the story. You know, and, <laughs> so that just makes me laugh. But anyways, the super long story short is uh, my roommate in college went to high school with Tennessee. And he, he essentially played matchmaker, um, you know, was pretty persistent for a good, I'd probably say a good year or so. And uh, she was going to school in Utah at Weber State playing softball there. And he had just kind of seen just a little bit of struggle of relationships for me throughout the couple years of him and I being uh, roommates. And I'd kind of gotten to this point where I was just fed up with, relationships and you know, I was just going to do my thing and focus on you know whatever um but he knew deep down that I was kind of a soft guy that I just you know just wanted my little I wanted the love of my life you know and <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah no he he was he he reached out to her on Facebook said hey look you need to look up my roommate I think that you guys would be good together and and he would um just all the time show me pictures hey you know like you know, so Genesee, like you, have you reached out to Genesee yet? <laughs> you know, she's a goody goody. You're a goody goody. You guys can be goody goodies together. And, you know, it was, yeah, it was great. Um, I'm really, really thankful that, that he played and he was as persistent as he was to the point where what happened was I was coming over to visit him in Spokane okay. uh, for a weekend. She happened to be home for that weekend. I didn't really know that. I wasn't really fully aware um, her and I had met prior to this and we had kind of started texting a little bit. But it was very casual with no intent, just kind of like, you are a nice, you're a very nice person. You're a good person. You're definitely somebody I like you're yeah. worth having as a friend in my life. And, uh, well, anyways, I was driving over and as I was coming to Spokane, I called him and said, Hey, I'm a few minutes away. And he was like, oh, great, perfect. We're going to go do this right now. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, by the way, I invited Genesee. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, uh, dude, you won't give up. (laughs) And uh, so she showed up. We had a great evening. Um, The next day, hey, we're going to go do this. Genesee, do you want to come? She's like, yeah, sure. And I was totally cool with it. Like like I said, she was a great person. Um, More than happy to have her as a friend of my life at that time. But three days later, we finished the weekend and I walk away from that weekend. Like I can't leave this place without this girl being in my life. She is too 
awesome, special, just has a heart of gold. Like I, I ha we have to have a relationship. This does not, it would not feel right if I just walked away. Um, and so yeah, that, that I just, just walked by the, by the office smiling. <laughs> um, but yeah, so after that weekend, it was, just, uh, this is something special. She's, she's a good girl, but and yeah. That's, yeah. How does it, like, like you mentioned, you know, you think of your, the three of you, how does that work? Like how, what are some of the ways that she's supported you in your athletic career? Yeah. So, um, she is like such an incredible human being in the sense of just like, she believes wholeheartedly in me. Um, you know, and it's, uh, you know, I love Simon Sinek's book, uh, start with why, uh, and on, he, I think he puts everything super beautifully and it's been a, it's been a principle that, you know, I think we've all heard throughout our lives is, you know, have a deep sense of why you do what you do. Um, but he really lays out in that book, um, people buy why you do what you do, not what you do. Like people are more invested in like, why, why does he want to do this? And I think that that is something that, you know, Genesee knows and recognizes that I'm not in this to, to, to become famous, to make money, to just get championships and titles. Like it's not about that at all. And so she, she can see my heart in it and that is what she cares about, right? She fell in love with my heart and I gave her my heart. And so she wants to see that. And, you know, both coming from, you know, the belief that when you become married to become one and, now you are a team together and you're going, so, so if my heart's so invested in, in, in doing something like how can she not be and, and equally flip flop, if her heart is so deep into something, how can my heart not be, you know? And so on a deep level that has kind of manifested itself. And, you know, when she, she, she's actually a, she's a pharmacist. And so when she started, uh, started her career and she started working as a pharmacist, spent a, you know a year or so um also happened to be 2017 okay. year. <laughs> <laughs> um it was after after that year we kind of looked at each other like this doesn't feel this doesn't feel right you know it it's not we are not enjoying doing this apart from each other we i want to be a team with you and i want to do as much of go through as much as my life with you as we can not saying that we have to be a part of every single moment of every, you know, of the day, but it's like on deep levels, like how can we, how can we work together? How can we enjoy each other? You know? And, um, I was like, she wasn't really loving the work environment that she was in at the time. Uh, and I was like, look, like you don't need to be working right now. So what if you really, what if you came home and we did this together and, you helped me in whatever ways that you could so that, you know, I could really give more of myself to this. And she was just really, she was all in. And so that's when I had the conversation. I'd been working with Ben for a while, but it had been remote. It had been, he's, he's in Boston or Natick, Massachusetts, and I'm in Spokane, Washington, or across the country. <laughs> and so there's, there's a lot that he misses. I can give as much notes in uh, you know in our doc and feedback as I can uh, and you can try to get and glean as much information over FaceTime as possible but there's just something missing there and so Genesis is essentially his his daily eyes on the ground kind of thing um, 
and to the point like like I'll put feedback in our doc back to him like on training for the day and I'll I'll, I'll type it in and then she'll type some in and like he he's come back and he said he's like well I thought things went a certain way and then I read Genesis and I was like oh it's completely different <laughs> you know she just adds a much clear whole picture of something that's a little less subjective um, to the scenario you know so um but in that she's also learned how to coach in the moment really well um and it's it's not about thrusters and pull-ups right like i know how to do thrusters and pull-ups i'm an athlete i know how to strategize workouts um as good as the next person for the most part for myself and so it's not so much about that but it's how can i draw out all of Cole how can I get him to give everything and to think differently and to see things in a different way and um, she's really invested herself in trying to learn how to do that every day so she she watches every training session um, she works out in between my workouts and then um, you know it takes splits takes notes and watches everything and um, it's been yeah it's been really really special that's amazing that is so so cool do you guys have a typical day in your life? Like, what do you think uh, like? That was what? Like, what does a typical day look like for you guys right now? Oh, um, yeah, we wake up. Um, we have typically in the morning, we have just a little bit of quiet time in the morning together um, where she'll read the newspaper um, and share some of the news going on, maybe some articles that she thinks that I would want to read or I'd be interested in, in seeing. Um, you know, and I'm usually journaling during that time or reading something myself. And uh, we just kind of sit and have a, you know, a half hour to an hour in the morning together uh, over coffee. And you know, I'll whip up some coffee and whatnot, something that I enjoy doing. And um, we'll kind of enjoy that. Um, and then after that, we kind of get our day started and we start going. Um, and she'll, um, she's very, uh, she's very active. I should kind of uh, I would liken her to a to a hummingbird, you know, like just this this is faint little thing that's just always moving, just always doing something, through, you know, throughout the day. She just always finds a task, and in a great way. Like she is, she keeps a great home, and she takes care of so many great things. And um, you know, not that I I am very much a believer in like like I need to pull my weight too, but she just she's just always finding something to do. So. <laughs> Um, as I'm starting to roll out, stretch, get ready for my training session, she's kind of, you know, going around the house doing stuff and, um, you know, and then she'll go start working out. She usually gets in the garage and her warm up takes about five minutes compared to my 50 minutes, <laughs> you know, and, um, so she'll work out a little bit, uh, before me. Um, and then I'll kind of get in, I'll hop into my training session and the bulk of the day is our training session or, you know, my training, um, you know, we'll, maybe have one big session and a smaller session in the afternoon, or we'll have three kind of moderate sessions throughout the day, something like that. We just kind of break it up how we feel like the day needs to ebb and flow. Um, every day kind of seems a little bit different, but for the most part between nine and 5 PM, uh, it's kind of training focused. Um, and if I'm not in the garage actually training, I'm mobilizing or I'm getting something to eat and um, something of the nature, but something surrounding the idea of training. Um, Read it like a, like a nine to five job too. So you're like keeping it in that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, we don't have a hard set rule. Like you have to be out of the garage by a certain time, but the idea of it is like, 
otherwise it would just bleed into all areas of your life and you know, procrastinate doing workouts at 9 p.m. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sure you know exactly what that kind of feels like, you know, and like all of a sudden it starts to just bleed into everything. And it's like, you know what, we, we need to have some sort of separation. And, um, you know, at some point in time, like we'll go out, um, maybe go for a walk together or something, uh, do something outside in the yard. She, uh, every year during the summer, she does a, you know, she has an awesome little garden and whatnot and what. So, you know, we'll do something, you know, just something just to kind of change the the trajectory of the day a little bit, um, you know, and then, yeah, and then just kind of enjoy the evening, uh, typically sit down and put all of our feedback in in the evening um, to Ben so he can check that in the morning when he gets up, um, you know, and then just kind of, you know, the, the, the rest of the day is like answering emails and text messages that don't get answered during a training day, um, you know, kind of catching up all that and then just enjoying each other for the evening. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's super cool. Yeah, no, we have a we have a really great, uh, really great scenario going on right now, and we know that it's not always going to be this way. Um, you know, and things very well may change, um, and and that's okay. Um, but for now, we just definitely thought that like let's enjoy this season of life together. Yeah. You know, for however however long we have or however short, um, let's enjoy this together as, as best we can. That's awesome. Um, all right. Well, I want to start wrapping up. So there are three questions I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. The first one is what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? The, the three things. Um, well, I think the, the first thing that stands out first and foremost, I think would be my nutrition. Um, that was a big changing, um, a big shift in, in me as an athlete. Uh, I started working with uh, Adi Kazayu uh, from Working Against Gravity back in 2016 uh, and going through that process of just learning how to have a better relationship with food uh, was something that I desperately needed um, you know coming like I told you a little bit I came coming off of what how I viewed and portrayed nutrition and food in college um, and you know it was it was one of those really interesting things where I had gained a ton of knowledge but I let it get warped and it changed the, the, the relationship I had with food. Um, and so just to gain that, get a better understanding of how to use food as fuel, but then also enjoy it at the same time. Like there's just, you know, a balance of that and, um, and loving being in a routine with food, like loving that, like I can just like rely on just a consistency and I don't have to have variety every single meal and try something new. I can just I can then find things that I enjoy eating and be consistent with it. And that has really paid off, played, paid big dividends in my overall body composition and then also health from biomarkers. I've gotten a lot of blood work throughout the years. Um, you know, I regularly look into that stuff uh, and, seeing how that changes and educating myself on how certain foods and the way I eat changed my biomarkers and whatnot. So that has been probably the biggest thing for my physical health, um, that, uh, that I've really enjoyed. Um, and then I know for, I think one of the things that's really important is, is mental health. Uh, and I think that is something that has really guided me and helped just kind of, um, I guess promote a strong mental health is, is continuing to seek out wise counsel. 
Um, and it, and it, I think it really finding the right people to be in your life has been really, really important. Um, there's a lot of poisonous ways of thinking in the world. Um, there's a lot of um, just w- things that can creep into your mind that we have to be protective of um, and that we have to guard and we have to guard our hearts on a regular basis and having the right people in your life to speak truth, to speak wisdom um, and to speak hope into your life has been extremely important. And, you know, I, I think that that oftentimes gets overlooked for uh, meditations and for, you know, whatever other practices, which all have their, their place. And I, I do a little bit of meditating myself and like I, you know, there, there's plenty of other things. Um, but I think the thing that has paid the most dividends for me in my life is having people to positively speak into my life. That's awesome. So, you uh, have any um, like books or podcasts or other people that you look to more as, as inspiration in that role? Or is it more that people, your close circle of people who are, um, who are playing that role for you? Yeah, you know, it's, that's a great question given the world that we're in now. It's so easy to to have a mentor from afar. Um, uh, I definitely I definitely have uh, different influences and figures throughout my life that have been from, from the internet. Um, Eric Thomas is a motivational speaker. He has been somebody that I've always looked to and turned to. Um, Mother Teresa is someone I've always looked up quotes and understandings and readings on um, and just to understand a different way of thinking and, uh, you know, always looking for, this is something I think has just been so important and been so refreshing for my life is looking for a perspective that I don't necessarily agree with or not disagree with, but just don't understand yet. And it's like searching out different. So that has been something that has been very useful and that I have loved about the age that we're and that we have the freedom to do that at the click of a button, right. um, you know, and, and just to gain new perspectives and understanding about the world, um, whether you adopt them or not, just getting to know them and getting to educate yourself. And I told you, like, I love to learn. So that has been something that I've definitely, but, um, but at the end of the day, I don't think that that can ever take the place of face-to-face interpersonal communication with other human beings. So I think absolutely 100% it's, it's the day-to-day conversations, the, the smiles that you get from people, you know, like those, those lift your spirit, you know, being around somebody who is positive and just a good hearted, caring person. Like it's just, I don't know, it's a joy for the soul, you know? Okay. So you said nutrition, mental health, and then third thing that you do on a regular basis. Uh, third thing I do on a regular basis. Um, well, I mean, I think the obvious thing would be working out a lot. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's super, super obvious. Uh, you know, I think with, with nutrition, you know, I've done a lot of things like supplementation, uh, vitamins. You know, I, I work with your husband, um, you know, to understand you know, myself from you know, a medical perspective. Like, you know, he gives, he has given so many great insights and he's been just a, a blast to work with. So there's that. But, um, I think one of the things that has really, uh, that have really taken to heart is actually sleep. Um, that one kind of keeps coming back into my mind. Um, I have just over the last few years, just guarded sleep a little bit and not been greedy with it. Um, where like, I'm just sleeping as much as I can, but being disciplined and protecting the hours that I should be sleeping because it's really easy to not be disciplined and stay up till 12 PM 
And then all of a sudden you're sleeping in and, but instead like, okay, I know that I'm getting tired around nine. We can start getting ready for bed, you know, and, and then going and reading. That's, that is, that is something that I have just learned to love, to absolutely love is just getting to bed early and reading until I fall asleep. I just love it. You know? So, um, you know, and, and maybe, maybe it's not everybody's cup of tea. That's fine. But, but had just protecting that time to sleep. I used to be one of those individuals like, Oh, I can sleep when I'm dead. Right. And you know, just- I'd wake up at, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's that, that, you know, I was getting, you know, I'm, I'm pretty firm about trying to get eight hours of sleep. Um, you know, and if I can get a little bit more eight and a half or sometimes nine, yeah, I'll, I'll absolutely do my best to get those. Um, and I just feel like that is, I have more energy during the day. I don't feel like I need to nap during the day. Uh, and obviously, I mean, all the best recovery happens when you're sleeping. So, um, yeah. Best recovery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, all right. Next question is, what is one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something you're working on? Oh, that are loaded. That's tough. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. You know, I, I'm such a curious guy. Um, so I'm always looking for, like, I'm always happy to hear something out. So um, I'm just trying to think, what have I been resistant to? Uh, do you have any good examples? That's Like something that you just recently started working on or, I don't know, or something that you tried but just didn't work for you? Uh, uh, you know, this actually, um, yeah, I know that's great. Something I've just started working on, uh, is, uh, doing a lot of proprioception, um, a lot of mobility work, things like, you know, as I've gotten my, my career has, you know, it, it changes, it shifts a lit, you know, and your body starts to do different things and it feels differently. And, you know, you always hear that when you're young, <laughs> you have to lose it until it starts to change a little bit. Um, but I am a believer that, uh, that no path is firmly set for you. Like you can, you can really choose to change the trajectory of something. So, um, you know, like I've lost a little bit of mobility in certain parts of my body, um, and you know, certain joints or whatnot. And so I've been spending a lot more time and that is something that I've, I committed to a couple of years ago and then now just starting to really take to heart. You know, it's like, it's one of those things that I've been a little resistant to like, Oh, like the recovery thing. I just, I just need to rest a little bit. I just need to I just need to get off my feet. Right. Uh, but really, the best thing has been being just a little, little lightly active, being, you know, mobilizing, stretching, maybe going for a light bike ride or a light run or something to promote recovery. Um, and that has been, has paid some pretty nice dividends um, and kind of helped keep my body feeling, feeling good. That's cool. It's almost like, I mean, obviously you're doing training for a lot of the day, but just for anyone listening, like the importance of trying to be active throughout the day instead of just doing your training session, then going and sitting for recovery. 100%. And that I can speak to from uh, my lone origination days <laughs> because I, I would, I would train in the morning and then I'd go sit for in an office, you know, in front of a computer or whatnot for eight hours, nine hours of the day, go train again. And then by the time it's 8 PM, I'd go home and go to bed. Like I got to wake up at five, you know, and, uh, I, my back was always stiff. My hips always hurt. Um, I just didn't, I didn't feel healthy, but just finding those pockets of time now where 
you know, I stretch just a little bit. It's just, it's just little, little pieces. You don't have to make a big, huge session of it every time. Like just little bits of it throughout the day has really paid off really well. For sure. And even for those people who, who maybe their job does require them to sit most of the day, like taking quick breaks to get up and walk down the hall or exactly. standing, alternating between standing, sitting, those kind of things. Always. Yep, 100%. All right. Last question is what does a healthy life look like to you? Mm, a healthy life, uh, a happy soul, mm. a happy soul. Like I am, you know, I, I told you before, but I think the most important thing is on earth are the souls of people, just our lives. And, you know, I think that a happy soul um, is just, it's infectious and in a good way, you know, it just, it spreads. And I, you know, we all have our down moments and whatnot, but that, that's definitely something that always echoes in my life is, um, you know, am I, am I a joyous character? Am I somebody who sees the positive side of life, who has hope? And, uh, you know, I think that that brings a lot of good in the world when you can see the best in people and you're willing to look for the best in people. Um, it, uh, yeah, it, 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 it bridges gaps pretty quickly and that that I like um so yeah I definitely think that a healthy person is a happy soul I love that well you are definitely a happy soul so thank you for oh, thank spreading you. all of that joy to all of us and thank you for this conversation this has been great um I know you have an awesome YouTube channel where can people find you if they want to follow more of your journey yeah, yeah. You can, I mean, I'm, I'm on Instagram, uh, Cole Sager 35 on Instagram. Um, I have a YouTube channel, Cole Sager. And then I have a website as well, uh, ColeSager.com, that just has some information about me um, that we periodically update with some of the things that are changing in our lives and um, whatnot. So uh, thanks to anybody who does follow the journey. I appreciate it a lot. And, and Julie, thank you so much for, for having me on Pursuing Health. This has been uh, a really fun conversation to have, and it's been great catching up with you. You too. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I always like to recap my personal biggest takeaways after the interview, and there was definitely a lot to think about after this conversation with Cole. My first takeaway was about how good coaches develop character. I think this is something that we can all take to heart. Whether we're coaching CrossFit in our local boxes or teaching or mentoring in any other capacity, this is an important barometer that we can use. Am I just going through the motions, teaching them in an isolated skill or teaching in a way that's easier or less uncomfortable? Or am I doing the best that I can to help the person in front of me become a better person? My second takeaway was about Cole's comments about his 2017 season. I loved how he talked about how he was trying to dial in all of the 1% and in doing so, he was neglecting those 10%. This can be easy for any of us to do, whether we're talking about our own training, nutrition, family, or work. There are always shiny new tricks or gadgets, new diets or new trends that seem to provide a cure-all. Those things might be helpful and add on those 1% improvements, but nothing substitutes getting those 10%, the basics dialed in. Eating real food, sleeping enough at night, training consistently, spending time with loved ones, doing something to down-regulate and mitigate stress. Most of these things are not fun or exciting and they require hard work, but spending your time there will usually get you the biggest results when it comes to your health. My third takeaway was about surrounding yourself with people who hold you accountable. Cole talks about important team members such as his coach, Ben, and his wife, Genesee, 
And it's natural for all of us to have days where we feel less motivated or maybe we want to take the easier way out. We're all human. But surrounding ourselves with people who we know will hold us to a higher standard in those times of weakness can make all the difference over time. I hope you had some great takeaways from this conversation too. 